Well, it's such a joy and a blessing to be with you again. It's been a while. Uh, and the joy I have is praying for you all the time. I'm always thankful of that. Uh, and I, and I, so as we're gathered together, when you just heard this morning, the reading from the, the scriptures in, in the book of Acts chapter 10, I don't know if you realize how significant this was, right? Meaning uh, the, <clears throat> to be able to, um, to preach now and preach and teach to all people, not just to the Jewish people, but to the Gentiles. And remember, even Jesus said that he came just for the Jewish people, but there was, you know, he was talking about us Gentiles coming along later. Um, remember the story with the Samaritan, the Good Samaritan, and they were, you know, half-breeds is what they were called. And there was a big struggle even, but all the way through the Old Testament through that. So this is really a significant time, right, in the new, in the new church, in the uh, early church, because once this begins to take place, this now opens the door for all of the great evangelism that's going to take place, and that will continue to take place and then spread all over the world. And so that's what's unique about this. And when I first saw the title of this, I really got excited about this. I hadn't thought of it that way, because you can go at this, uh, a, teachable, a teachable moment. We've had how many of them in our own lives? Hundreds of them, thousands of them, and you can probably define it in, in different ways. And they come in different ways. Uh, my, my terminology would be uh, how often the, our Heavenly Father sends the written word and the spoken word and the inner word to us, right? Um, and how often uh, there's circumstances and there's events and then there's even angels and there's dreams and there's visions and, and all these different things that the Lord uses to get our attention because that's what a teachable uh, at least for me, moment is, is the Father gets our attention. And one of the things that I, I, I've said, I'm, I'm sure i said this quite often, was that how many times our Heavenly Father bends over backwards, and I don't know if that's still a good phrase, but it's still meaningful to me, to make sure that we choose wisely every day. Have you noticed that? And that's what exactly was taking place here in the book of Acts. And it started, you saw it a, a, a couple weeks ago in chapter 9 with, with Paul and, and his meeting of Jesus on the road to Damascus and his conversion experience. That was a teachable moment for Paul, right? And then you come here and you see Cornelius gets this teachable moment of, of, of an angel coming to him and we need to get a hold of Peter. And then there's Peter who's, you know, a, 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 they call it like a trance, or we call it a deep uh, a dream, and he sees heaven opening up and this whole thing about the sheet coming down with all the unclean and the clean animals and all of that. And the amazing thing is, if you follow through with those, you see something unique that has to happen out of a teachable moment. See, one of the dangers with the teachable moment is it could be, oh, that was nice. And then you, you don't pay any more attention to it. You don't do anything with it. But they didn't do that. All three of them responded in obedience. Did you see that? All three of them right away said, okay, <laughs> to use the, the simplicity of it, right? They listened to, they heard the, uh, uh, the written word, the inner word, the spoken word on the inside, and they knew that this was a powerful thing that was taking place. And, and, and notice what happens is 
Paul, when he starts his ministry, you realize was to the Jewish people. If you notice what happens here with Peter, how does he start his ministry? To the Gentiles. And then after this takes place, you're going to find now, Peter now is going to continue really being the minister, we would say, to the Jewish people. And Paul becomes what? The great minister to us, to the Gentiles. But it was interesting that Peter is the one that the Lord used to open that door and to allow this, this great truth to take place. And so another really wonderful teaching um, moment that's going to be for Peter right at the end where it says now he's going to go and he's going to preach to all these Gentiles. Can you imagine when Peter said, you know, I've never done this before, right? Uh, all this unclean stuff. And then he has this great opportunity, and you'll study that next week, of what this gospel is all about and that willingness you know, for Paul and Peter and Cornelius to say yes to the Lord. And so these great things begin to take place. And when I first saw that, the title there, a Teachable Moment, do you know how, remember the Holy Spirit, have you ever had this, the Holy Spirit brings back to memory things? I've been having this, I've been having a lot of fun with this the last few months because Sometimes, you know, we don't remember as well as we should, I suppose. But I always say, I don't remember. I don't use that phrase anymore, right? I do remember. So I say, Holy Spirit, help. And I'm telling you, I've had some of the most unique moments where within a few minutes, he brings back to memory what I was asking for. Um, but that's what happened. So as soon as I, I saw that phrase in that split second, the Holy Spirit reminded me of two ways of these teachable moments or two ways in particular that the Lord has gotten my attention out of all the many, and there's probably thousands of ways that he's done things and he'll continue to do things for us, right? So those are, these are the two, I want to share two of them with you. And the first one was in 1969, 1970, when Marion and I first met. Uh, we were on this uh, called the Living Dimension a singers, a gospel team from Lutheran evangelistic movement called LEM out of Minneapolis, of course, Minnesota, back in the uh, <clears throat> 60s and 70s. And, and actually, it's interesting, I don't remember his first name, but a book, his last name is Anderson, he just wrote a book about this movement within, back starting in, out of Minneapolis and this youth min ministry movement that took place and uh, it was taking place in other places too, but he was just focusing in particular, in this particular time. And it was sort of fun when I read a little bit of the book to realize, wow, we were part of this teach, teachable moment and didn't realize, in a sense, all that was taking place. So anyhow, we had gotten together in September at Trinity Lutheran Church in Minnehaha Falls, Minnesota, near Minneapolis, and, and did some training to get ready now to travel full-time. And basic, our basic ministry was to ch uh, churches on a Sunday morning and a Sunday evening, but we went to a lot of nursing homes. In those days, we could go to a, you know, high school assemblies. Uh, we went on television. We went on radio. Uh, we went to malls. We went even on uh, street corners. I mean, all the different ways uh, that the uh, minister thought that he could uh, help us uh, share the gospel when we came for two or three days with him, we did. 
But in particular, the main uh, ministry was Sunday morning and then usually Sunday evening. And usually we had a, you know, at least 50, 100 people at least. Um, and so we had uh, about an hour's program. We had two programs, uh, and we'd sort of alternate on those. Um, it is, I, now, I want you to know it was called this Living Dimension Singers. I did sing. Right? I did not, I was accused of mouthing the words. That's not true. I was a blender. Right? My main job was be doing the preaching, I guess, but I'd always laugh at that. So anyhow, we were getting all this together, we were training, and we started out, and I think it was within the, sometime in October, we went to a church, and we got every, all our stuff set up, and we went into uh, on our getting our program ready and praying and talking with each other. And the minister comes in and says, uh, I don't know how to tell you this, but so far there's not very many people showing up tonight. In fact, he says, right now I only count eight that are there. What do you want to do? You want me to you know, cancel? You just want to sing a couple of songs? And, and, and it, as I recall, we sort of all just looked at each other and we said, Lord, what do you think? And it was all eight of us, there was eight of us on the team, and it was that immediate, no, we're going to share the gospel like we normally do, as if there were hundreds or thousands there. We weren't just going to cut back and shorten it because of just a few. So there were eight there, we did the full service, and we had an altar call, and four out of those eight, including two young people, came up to the altar. In those days, we would say they got saved, right? They became Christians. They got born again. They got born anew. They began following Jesus. And we, um, I think the whole year while we were traveling, every now and then, was, uh, were, the Holy Spirit reminded us of that moment, of, of what that did to us, because it reminded us that number, and we, we like numbers, and that's okay, but they're not really important. What's important is people, and that's what really counts. And if there's only one or two there, that's a good thing. And, and that was, for us, a teachable moment, and we continued to do that all the way through. And for me, it, it seemed that's where the Lord was leading me, was to small churches. And that basically is what my ministry has always been, and I've been so thankful for them. I had one guy that told me, well, your ministry really doesn't count. You've got to be in a real big church. That's where everything is. That's the action. And I just smiled and thought, uh-uh, the action is just with whoever comes. That's what's most important. So that, to me, was one of those, you know, uh, teachable moments. The other one I want to share with you is I call the power of uh, forgiveness. And this will relate to my grandmother. And I probably shared this a few years ago a little bit. But there's something interesting that happens out of this story. I'm going to jump ahead to take you back to this moment of this uh, um, forgiveness time, all right? I'm going to jump ahead now to August 13th, Tuesday, last year, nine, uh, 2019. And my sister, who had just turned 70 in March, went home with the Lord. Uh, I was just getting ready to do a Bible study. Remember I told you I did this uh, Skyping and a Bible study back to uh, Colfax, to a retirement center, and I was getting all ready on my iPad. Marion was just ready to leave, and as she walks by 
uh, we get a, a message, and here's my um, niece is telling me, telling us, and we can, we, you know, we're talking to her uh, FaceTime, that uh, my sister's not doing well, you know, her mother's not doing well. The doctors think maybe a, maybe a day or two, uh, and uh, my sister was sort of sleeping then, and they were talking, and then my sister woke up, and so I was able to talk to her, and she said, I love you, and I love, I said, I love you, and then Marion had this wonderful prayer. I mean, just tied everything together for all of us. And so I started my Bible study, Marion left, and they said they would, you know, let, let us know um, more later. And I don't think it was more than 10, 12 minutes after that, while I was doing my Bible study, I got the text that she had gone home with the Lord. My sister loved the Lord dearly. Um, she uh, was a... a, a uh, was in ministry all her life, basically, from the time that she got married. She married Dan, who was a Lutheran uh, pastor at Redeemer Lutheran in Fridley, Minnesota, for years. And so my sister was always in some kind of ministry. She, um, and then when she, her health really, the, the, she re, had a real uh, serious health problem. And as she struggled with that and couldn't do all the other things she normally did in, the, in her ministry, she ended up being a great prayer warrior. And we would talk every, just about every Sunday night for years. Uh, I would go back at least once, if not twice sometimes, to be with him. But at least we would talk and communicate. And then when we got Skype you know, and FaceTime, we could see each other and all of that. So I was able to really communicate well, uh, although my sister is the one that was taking care of everybody. Uh, my, my sister uh, got... Uh, and they don't know why. The doctors probably were trying to say it's most of stress. My sister was not uh, a glutton. She didn't overeat, but she got really huge. And um, it was called an apron of fat. It's a little different than some of the others. But they didn't, they didn't know how to deal with it because she was allergic to antibiotics. And so they didn't want to do any surgery and what whatever happened. And so she learned how to live with that. Uh, my brother-in-law... Um, Ended up in the late, yeah, late 90s and early 2000s. He had hip surgery, he had a knee surgery, and then the next knee surgery, he got staph infection. And you battled that for how many years? So here's my sister now. Probably stress is a good thing, right? But she's taking care of them. And then my dad on uh, Resurrection Day 2000, he gets to go home with the Lord. And so now my sister's left taking care of also mother. And uh, so there was a lot of things going on, and she did a really good job with that. And she really uh, uh, took care of them in a marvelous, wonderful way. Uh, and so that was part of her ministry, in a sense. That was part of her loving them. Um, and so uh, she, and in, and in 2000, uh, my brother-in-law went home with the Lord in 2005. And then in 2007, my sisters, I don't know if this is the right word, cushions in your knees, I don't know what the medical term is for to keep the, the knees, you know, so they're not just, you got to have, I don't know what it is, anyhow, they were gone, and she couldn't walk. She couldn't walk from here to the pew anymore, and so we had to get the power chair. I used to call it an electric chair, but I think I changed, I don't want, you don't want to use that, right? I think that means something different, right? Um, and so she now ended up in the power chair. And then she started having, she was diabetic, then she started having to have uh, uh, oxygen, and she needed that, and then that ended up being all the time. 
Uh, and so we were really struggling with things and a little other infections and all of that. And in, uh, so after, in, 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 uh, Jan, in, uh, after her birthday, we were planned, I was, uh, got a ticket to fly out so that we would celebrate my mother's homecoming on September 6th, 2018. So we were getting all ready for that. And then, um, uh, of all things, uh, my, and, and this was in, um, yeah, so in the first part of April, my sister fell out of the power chair, uh, hit the furniture, and got a lot of stitches in the right leg, and, and, and then, you know, rehab and all of that thing. In um, May, she fell again. I mean, in April, yeah, May, April and May. May, she fell again. This time, she broke her kneecap on her left leg, probably cracked the tibia, the bone there, right? And so that was going to be tough because they weren't going to allow her to go back home. Uh, and she was living by herself until that all healed. Well, there's no cast. So you had to live basically with your leg out. And uh, so we still we really struggled with some of that. So we went through it. And, and we, when I say rehab, the sad part is most of rehab are nursing homes. And, and they're not really all that trained for some things. They do a wonderful job for what they're trained for. But a lot of this rehab was really difficult. And so she'd have good places and bad places. And all these things were going on and the stress and all of that. But then in July, first two Sundays in July, I talked to her and she sounded like nothing had ever happened. It was the best sounding deep voice, a regular voice, nothing going on. It was great. Wow, right? And then she went back into the hospital. And um, they found out she had congestive heart failure. She also had some lung problems. And so in order for her to stay here, there was a major miracle, she said, Lord, you're going to have to do. But we talked quite often about going home with the Lord. And she was as ready as you're ever going to be. And so when that day came, that's what took place. And so we went back for the, uh, you know, and celebrated that with her. And when we left... One of the things that uh, my sister and I had talked about is when my mother went home with the Lord, we had one time sat down with, and wrote all the, uh, the times and the dates when the, we made trips back and forth to each other from Minnesota to you know, Washington. We, and, and we did that for years. That's basically what our vacations were all about. And we, my sister and I were looking for that, wanting to see that and all that. We couldn't find it. And so... Uh, uh, the evening after we had her service, there was, uh, they were going to start going to have to sell our house, so there was a, a big attic in the garage, and we had, uh, we'd also helped put a lot of stuff up there. So they went and started taking a lot of things down, and sure enough in that we found this, this container, and we found this one letter, all right? And this is what's really unique. So now, in this letter, my, my, my grandmother has three visitations uh, with Jesus. Three um, teachable moments with Jesus. And, and, we, and we knew about, you know, I didn't know about, uh, I knew about one of them, but I didn't know about the first one where uh, probably in the late 60s she had a kidney that was replaced and during surgery she saw herself in heaven. You know that story, right? Where you get to heaven and you just don't want to leave and Jesus comes and says, Millie was her name. He says, Millie, it's time to go back. You got to go back. And then she remembers somebody shaking her and it was the doctor and the nurses trying to wake her up. 
But then she had uh, two more visions, all right? And she had one, the second one was where, uh, she, again, my, uh, Millie got sick in their, uh, late, in about seven, in their 1976 sometime, and Art, my mother's dad, Millie's husband, um, He'd got emphysema, he'd been a smoker all his life, so he wasn't doing well. So she had this another vegetation, and Jesus is talking to her, and she says, Lord, she says, you know, uh, I, I really don't think it'd be a good idea for both of us to die here. It'd be awful nice if you take one of us, and it'd be nice if you would take Art, because he can't live without me. And that's, that's what the vision said. I'm telling you, that's what was written down. And the Lord said, okay. I'm serious, and two weeks later, my grandfather, Art, he went home with the Lord. That was October 31st, 1976. So, we get the call. Uh, Joshua, Deborah are not born yet. Rebecca's, my oldest, is only two years old. I had just uh, had my first call at St. Paul's of Shorewood Lutheran Church between White Center and Varian as an associate uh, pastor. Uh, I was also teaching part-time at LBI, which is no longer existence there on 130th and Greenwood. I taught uh, a couple classes in minor profits just for that fall uh, semester. So we flew back, and of all things, we had the service, but my grandmother, Millie, could not be at the service because she is so sick, right? And what they found out was that she had, um, they did some surgery, and they found that she had hundreds of tiny, tiny tumors. And basically, you know the old phrase, that you close them back up and said, <laughs> we put you on chemo because you'll die easier. And I remember, you know, uh, Millie, Grandma said, that's okay, I, I, I can deal with that. Um, so we left from the funeral, it's about an hour's drive back to, it was Eau Claire, Wisconsin, and um, we all went up in the room where, where my grandmother was, and I had not yet really, I, I don't think, ever given her communion. And then all her family was there, so everyone was, was a lot of people packed into a small room, and we did communion, and we talked about, and, and this is going to be, this is that, that uh, you know, teachable moment. We talked about the forgiveness of sins. And you have it, and we all have it in our family line unbelievers and believers that do not forgive. Do you know that? They're there. And we love them dearly, and they still, right? I mean, and we've had that, and we knew that, and, and, and Grandma knew about it, and, and it was one of those you didn't talk about, right? But it was always there. It was always there. And that's the unique thing about communion, isn't it? When, we've, when you come to the table here, remember? It's that healing and the, the bread of Jesus. It's that marvelous forgiveness in the blood of Jesus. And there isn't anything greater than to what? Say yes, right? I mean, if Jesus has forgiven us, why do we not forgive other people? No, I'm not, and, and sometimes people say, well, you can't do that. You know, you're supposed to hurt. You're supposed to have, you know, yeah, it hurts. Yeah, there's something. People went through terrible things, uh, what other people did to them. So I'm not saying that's not there. I'm not saying, you, you know. But what I'm saying is the, re, the meaning of the word forgiveness has to do with a releasing. It has to do with an untying. Have you ever felt yourself being all tied up in knots? <laughs> Wonder what that's all about, right? Let it go. 
untie it is what it means. You know, don't let it pull it down into their, to their level. Uh, let it go. So when you say, I forgive, it doesn't mean, you know, the hurt has gone away. It doesn't mean, you know, everything is wonderful. It means I'm not letting you tell me how to live my life. I'm letting this stuff go. And there's wonderful stories about people that have forgiven. There's some terrible stories about Christians yet who have not forgiven. And there's some really negative things that come out of that because every time we don't forgive, we keep that door open to Remember the old song, accentuate the positive, eliminate the negative, and don't mess around with who? Mr. In-Between. That's a long time ago, kids, a long time ago. Perry Como, right? But we do that. We allow, and here's my terminology, you've heard this before, sin, self, Satan, death in the world system, right? We allow them to come in the house with you. <laughs> Slam the door on them. And, and I'm telling you, forgiveness... It's such a powerful thing. And we saw in, you saw in the book of Acts when Stephen, right, early in the book of Acts, what did Stephen do? Well, he's being stoned. He preached one of his best sermons. <laughs> Watch out, right? And they stoned him. And he says what? Father, forgive them. And the amazing thing is, did you notice that Jesus, who sits on the right hand of the Father, remember that? He what? He stood up to receive Stephen. There is such power in forgiveness. And I saw that. I've seen that. But this was the teachable moment for me. When So after now, um, we, we shared this you know, uh, a, a little bit, and then I gave communion to everybody, and so then we all left. And as I'm walking out the hospital, I re remember that I'd forgotten my little Bible. So I went back up, and sure enough, it was sitting right there by the bed. So I says, Grandma, I says, uh, I think the Lord wants me to remind you again of this forgiveness, because she knew what I was talking about. And I went through a little, again, summary statement of this. And then in this most, I can still see her face, this most loving, kind face, she said, Denny, I'll take care of it. A couple days later, we're back in, we're back out, you know, back in, in uh, St. Paul's Shore. we're back home. And my sister calls and said, have you heard what happened to Grandma? No, I haven't heard, I didn't, you know, did she go to heaven? No. She is called the miracle lady. The hospital in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, all the tumors are gone. The doctors can't find one of them. And people have come into her room, and some have actually said they were healed. Some said they, they, they became Christians. They, they gave their lives to the Lord. And that's why she's called the miracle lady. So for a couple of days while she was there, there was great things going on. I thought, wow. Right? You talk about a teachable moment, right? When you see the power of forgiveness. But the rest of the story is this. This is the last vision that she had. And this had to take place within those couple of days after communion with her. So she says that, again, Jesus visited her. And Jesus said, Millie, I'm going to heal the spot on your, on your body where they had to you know, cut open to f do the exploratory surgery. I'm going to make sure that's totally healed now. And I'm taking away all of your tumors. And I read that, right, on August 13th last year. And I, whoa, right? Isn't that what you call a teachable moment? 
Isn't that what you call getting your attention? And I realized again, and I've done this, you know, for years sharing this, but I've known the power of forgiveness. And I've seen it both ways. And the amazing thing is, she got to live 20 years longer. She died on um, March 8th, 1996. And a little parentheses story. A few years before that, we'd gone to, to visit with her, and um, she wasn't feeling well, so we called 911, and they got the ambulance, and we took her to the hospital. And I was in the room with her. She was sort of sleeping, and I was just sitting with her until we found out what was going on. And all of a sudden, she wakes up, and she looks at me, and she says, Oh, no. And I says, I know, I know. You thought you were in heaven, didn't you? <laughs> she said, Yes, that's where I wanted to go. I said, I know, it's only me, isn't it? She said, Oh, yeah. <laughs> A parenthesis, right? But just to tell you, so she did. She lived that long, and then, and then it was time to go home with the Lord. So what does that say to us, right? What does that say to us about all of these wonderful uh, teachable moments that God loves us so dearly, our Heavenly Father, right? And He will keep doing this. That He comes to you and He's wanting you over and over again to, you know, to live, choose wisely and not poorly. Remember from Indiana Jones, right? That's what He's always been asking us to do. And you see that, don't you, in the book of Acts? You begin to see when you're obedient, when you take God at his word, whether you're, you're not sure what this really is, but he's spoken to you, and he speaks to us probably more than anything through the scriptures. He's already been speaking to you, right? You've heard the reading of the scriptures. You've, the Holy Spirit's bringing back some nice memories for you, right? So how do you respond to him, right? Isn't that the amazing thing? Just take him at his word. We've, we, we know this. This isn't anything new. But every now and then, we need to be what? reminded of this, right? In Psalm 103, you know, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not what? All his benefits, because you and I have a tendency to forget, and it isn't just when you get older, right? We all go through this, and we need that reminder over, he's, ah, holy, did you see it? Do you see this goodness of our Heavenly Father? Do you see his mercy in his kindness. And we talk about the wrath of God, and we talk about all these negative things, and yeah, they're all there. But who cares? That's not the issue. The issue is, again, not the numbers of people. The issue is each and every one. And when we love Jesus, he lives inside of us, and he is constantly helping us, isn't he? To choose wisely. To follow in his ways. There's a song, um, a verse of a song says, deep within us there's a spiritual battle, the voice of darkness and the voice of light, and just by listening, you've made a decision because the voice you hear is going to win the fight. I would sometimes say the voice you have heard, <laughs> maybe he's already won the fight, right? But he's speaking to us. My sheep know my voice, right? And you saw that. You see that as you continue on the book of Acts, you see that happening, don't you? And, and it happens all the time for each one of us. So when we get these wonderful, teachable moments or God gets your attention, I hope you respond to them the right way. I hope you really get excited about them, right? And I hope you search the scriptures again to find out maybe what's he really telling you and what's he wants you to do. And maybe if anything, he's reminding you, let go of some unforgiveness stuff. See, one of the dangers is you can let it go, 
but you start reeling it back in. Huh? You done that? I've done that. Let it go. Remember Indiana Jones' last crusade? Elsa, let it go. Remember that? Let it go. Why? Because Jesus let it go for you. If he's forgiven us, why do we want to hang on to any of these negative things in our lives, right? And even the world system knows that. <laughs> the world system tries to help us out a little bit. But Jesus said, the flesh profits you nothing. You can't get anything spiritual by the flesh. Do you know that? Your five senses, don't, they're nice, but they're not going to get you here. They're not going to help you here. Jesus said, my words are spirit and life. That's the truth. Set your mind on my words is life and peace. Set your mind on the five senses, you would say, on the flesh is death. Don't you see it? I mean, this is, as I was going through that, I thought, wow, what a great reminder for you and I. So as you continue now in the book of Acts, you're going to see more and more of this. Next week, you're going to see this gospel that Peter gets to share, right? And that you and I still get to share now with everybody. And for that, we're most thankful. For that tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his son for everyone, that who believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Let's pray. Oh, Father in heaven, you're here. You, you never leave us. You never forsake us. <laughs> oh, there it is, Lord. No, never, never, never. Wow. You have not, you have not, you have not ever failed us or let us down. Because you have forgiven us, you have healed us, you have delivered us, you have redeemed us, you have satisfied us, you have uh, crowned us, you have covered us, you have prospered us, you have shalomed us, if there's such a word. And you never stop doing that. Because you love us so dearly. Thank you for opening our eyes even more than before to see how much you love us. And how, if there's anything we need to get rid of, if we're hanging on to anything like a ball and chain on our leg, the Hebrew says, uh, you know, let it all go. Get rid of it. Be a part of the business of obeying him today. So thank you, Jesus, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that you're always here. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.